Welcome to Centerpoint Church Podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. Welcome to our latest podcast as Pastor Chris and Cy tell us to live life to the fullest and encourage us to seek the kingdom of God first instead of worrying about where our material possessions will come from. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you today. My name is Chris Godfordson, and it's my pleasure to serve Center Point as the campus pastor here in Sioux Center. And as Chris said, you know, if you're visiting with us for the first time, I'm really glad that you're here. And if you've been with us a thousand times, I'm really glad that you're here. And, and if you're with us on Channel 77 or online today, a special welcome to you too. I mean, sometimes we have to make a choice. Um, to be here. I believe God calls us to worship, and we get to respond to that call. As we um, think about embarking on a new series, I just have two announcements that I want to draw to your attention this morning. The first is, is uh, our Hearts and Souls project that we're partnering with Love, Inc. on. Uh, we've asked, and you have um, succeeded in filling uh, up uh, requests for shoes and socks and things like that. So if, if you have, if you've done that and you haven't delivered it yet, today's the day. So if, if you forgot and you're two blocks away, run home, get it and bring it back to next steps and drop it in the box. But we also are still looking for um, some volunteers who will work in the store at our Haywarden campus on August 1st. So we need a handful of people to help set up. We need a handful of people to help tear down. And then we need a a couple of uh, Spanish speakers um, who can help translate um, through that event. So that's the the first announcement. The second one is uh, our popsicles in the park that will happen in Haywarden on uh, Wednesday night. Wednesday night the 19th, I think it's from 6.30 to 8.00. Uh, bring your family, let's hang out, um, Centerpoint families, uh, getting together and, and engaging. Um, if you're going to Rocky Mountain High and you don't know our new student ministries director, Icha Vandermeer, Icha will be at Haywarden. It'll be an opportunity for you to connect with her. So those are my announcements today. Uh, I want to invite you to pray with me. God, you know that I keep asking you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, and that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened in order that we know the hope to which you have called us, the glorious riches of the inheritance in your saints, and that incomparably great power for us who believe, because that power is the same mighty strength you exerted when you raised Christ from the dead and seated him at your right hand in the heavenly realms. God, would you grant us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God? Amen. So friends, uh, tomorrow, this, this morning, <laughs> we embark on a, on a new series that we're calling Glass Half Empty. Check out the slide. Kind of clever, yeah? Does that look half empty to you or does it look overflowing? 
to you. It could look like either one. And, and we're, we want to play on this word association game over the course of the next several weeks with you. Do you see that glass is half empty or overflowing? Pastor and author Hugh Halter once wrote this, as Christians, we live by a belief system and we stop believing all the time. We don't trust God with our money or kids. We quickly move to frustration when things don't turn out the way we think they are supposed to, and we strive to achieve the same empty American dream that unbelievers do. Is the glass half empty or half or overflowing? We, we tend to behave as if we believe that the glass is half empty. When we think about our finances or our resources or our relationships, we don't think we have enough. And, and I believe that this is a problem for people who are following Jesus. We don't believe we have enough. And there's a word for this. Actually, there are two words for this. I mean, and the idea is it's, it's, there's a scarcity mindset. And when we live with a scarcity mindset, we believe that we don't have enough. There isn't enough. There won't be enough. I haven't done enough. I'm not enough. And then we become oblivious to the fact that our cup is actually overflowing. Yeah? Have you ever experienced this? It's no time for a show of hands. That's not what I'm looking for now. But have you experienced this at any point in your journey. For some of us, the reality is that we don't think that we quite have enough. And we're not able to live the fully alive life. And, and I wonder if you'd think about this with me for just a minute. Let's see if we can identify uh, where we are in this enoughness journey, if you will. I hope that many of you were, were, many of you grabbed a piece of paper and a pen as you walked in this morning. And if you didn't, uh, rummage around in your wife's purse. I'm kidding, don't do that. That's risky business. Don't do that. But you can write on, a, on something else you have or do the exercise in your head. Okay? Everybody's okay? Now you can show me your hand. Are we willing to do this? Good. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to take just a second and think, what's the amount of money that I need for my family to thrive? What's the amount of money that I need? How much would be enough for this year or, or for the later years in your life? What's the amount? Go ahead, take a second, think about it, and write that down. And, and maybe, you're a, maybe you're a younger person or maybe you're an older person. Um, What's the number of relationships that I need in my life? Maybe it isn't about money, but what are the number of relationships I need in my life? Everybody got one? So as you wrote that down, and as you think about that number in your head... I'm curious if um, the number that you wrote down is what you currently have. Do you have enough relationships? Do you have enough money? 
I mean, is what you currently earn sufficient? Now, if I was sitting in your seat, I probably would have written a higher number. It's true. I mean, because I think that that's true for each one of us. Most of us want to write down a bigger number or a a more voluminous one. But is what we have enough? Do we believe that we need more and more and more? Because the lie of the scarcity mindset is going to have a negative impact on your life. It's going to impact the way in which we behave and show up in the world. And I think that we've been pretty clear. We've been trying to be really clear with with all of you through the things that we preached over the course of uh, 2023, and I would say even 2022, where we're trying to help everybody see what God's intended design is for our lives, for our lives together. And it's not a glass half empty scarcity mindset. It's abundance. In Christ, we have enough, friends. In Christ, there is enough. In Christ, we've done all that we can by virtue of just being, and we are enough. Enough, enough, enough. In the New Testament, Jesus talks about this in John chapter 10. We're going to be hanging out in Matthew here in a little bit, but I'm going to share this verse with you because Jesus doesn't preach a scarcity mindset. What Jesus preaches is this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they would have life, that they could have it to the fullest, to the fullest, not just a little bit, to the max to abundance to the fullest and so as jesus was saying this he wanted to make sure that we were clear that there are two distinctions here he's talking about the thief and and the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy so satan comes and wants to plant ideas in your head that he wants to steal and he wants to kill and he's going to destroy you and that all sounds rather harsh and it sounds horrible, right? What are the images that come to your mind when you think about um, being, having things stolen or having things um, killed or destroyed? Chances are they're pretty gruesome. But what about this? What if, what if the enemy is only coming to steal our joy or kill our peace or, or destroy our hope? Steal our joy, kill our peace, destroy our hope. Now, that's not quite as gruesome as some of the images that come to my head are when I think about something being killed. But it's also not the way that Jesus would have us live our lives, to have, uh, to have things, our joy stolen, our peace killed, and our hope destroyed. Because it can happen just like that. I don't snap that great, but just like that, the scarcity mindset happens, it takes over, and our joy is stolen, our peace is killed, our hope is destroyed. Now, let's, let's contrast that with the purpose, with the why that, that Jesus came. I mean, while scarcity is what Satan is after, Jesus is after the fact that we might have life and have it 
to the fullest, abundance. So if there's a scarcity mindset that is uh, what the enemy, what the devil, what Satan would want us to engage in, what Jesus would call us to is life to the fullest or abundance. I can't get any wider with my demonstration. Jesus wants abundant life for you. It's a little bit like going to the the Golden Corral when you could have gone to Caesar's Buffet. I mean, somebody. That's not it. I mean, let's think abundance because we often settle for scraps. Do you ever settle for scraps when you could have the, the best of the best meals? Abundance, fullness. Let's not live in scarcity. Living in scarcity, friends, is what the enemy came to help us do. It was his one objective, that you would not have life and have it to the full, but in, in fact, that you would live by a belief system and you would stop believing all the time. So thriving looks like living the abundant life, the the one life that we've been given, and that we would do it with everything that we've got, that we wouldn't hold back, that we wouldn't let our minds go to places that lock us up. Because here's the deal. (laughs) There's a difference. There's a difference between living and not dying. Right? Is there a difference in your mind between living and not dying? I mean, if I'm simply trying to not die, then I'm going to behave a particular way. I'm I'm going to um, force it. I'm, I'm not going to engage in it. But if I'm here to live, my life is going to look and feel different. How do you want to live? Scarcity, not dying, or living? Because when we focus on not dying, we never truly live, church. And I don't know about you, but I want to live. Thank you, Jesus, that, that we can have life and have it to the fullest. And as we make our way through this series, I want you to have that text in mind. It's the anchor the thief came that, we would, that he would steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus came that we indeed could have life and that we would have it to the fullest. Perhaps you interiorize that text over the course of the next few weeks. Bury it deep in your being if you haven't already. Maybe, kids, you've learned it in Awana. But the glass is not half empty as followers of Jesus. The scarcity mindset is not a thing that we need to live according to, and so we want to live life abundantly to the fullest. And our God desires and enables it to be so. And I'll show you where and how. We're, we're going to hang out, and I said, in, in the Gospel of Matthew today, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. If you have a Bible or preferred electronic device, you can open it to Matthew chapter 6 now. But, but what I want you to see in Matthew chapter 6 is that God is good. What, what, if what comes into our mind when we think about God is that God is good, we, we will understand that God has abundance in 
mind for us, not scarcity. He's not out there judging you, trying to um, get you when it's your time. Instead, it's abundance. God is good all the time. And in some places, then the people would say, if I said God is good, you would say all the time. And then what would you say? All the time, God is good. Very good, church. God is good. And let's see how good God is in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. The words will be on the screen for you if you like. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, for the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I see evidence of God's goodness all over this text. Do you? Do you see it too? Look at verse 25. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Look at them. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And, and then look at this gem. I mean, I love this line. It's one of my favorites in all of Scripture. Are you? Are you? not much more valuable than they? You are of infinite value, church. Look a little further and, and see with me. See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. They're not working themselves into a frenzy. They're not getting all stirred up, being busy, thinking about scarcity. Instead... I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, will he not that much more clothe you? He, he will see to it, is what the text seems to be saying. And in the Old Testament, God was known as Jehovah Jireh. It was one of the names of God. 
God will provide. That's what, the Lord, that's what Jesus is saying in this text. God will provide. The Lord will provide. Or he will see to it. Jireh means he will see to it. And, and it's as if to say he's forever enough. He's more than enough. He's always enough. God will see to it. And, and all this enoughness, is that a word? In all this enoughness, I, I couldn't help but think about uh, one of our Reformed confessions. It's been a minute since I shared uh, from our confessions with you, but I'm going to do it today, so hang with me. Because this is pretty beautiful. This guy, Guido de Bray, in the 16th century, that's in the 1500s. He wrote a, a thorough statement of the Reformed faith, and he, he wrote this, Article 13. We believe that this good God, after creating all things did not abandon them to chance or fortune, but leads and governs them according to his holy will in such a way that nothing happens in this world without God's orderly arrangement. He will see to it. And if he will see to it, then what is the deal with Halter saying as Christians we live by a belief system and we stop believing all the time. Our God desires that we would thrive, that we would flourish, that we would be whole, and that we would live in that kind of way with an abundant mentality. It's God's orderly arrangement for you and for me. It's God's design. And if God didn't think this way, if God was not good, and if God was not going to see to it, then he wouldn't have shown us in the text exactly how it is that we should do this. So most Reformed pastors want to give you three things to think about. So here's your three things to think about today. Live. Don't worry or do not worry. And know your value. Live, don't worry, know your value. It comes up over and over and over again. In verses 25, 27, and 30, Jesus calls us to live. Therefore, I tell you, um, don't worry about your life, live. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Live. Verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field... And thrown into the fire, will he not more, much more clothe you? Friends, live. He will provide for you, no matter what it is that your concerns are. You of little faith, verse 30 ends. It's as if to say, um, he, maybe you don't believe as you're reading the text. Maybe you haven't come to faith yet. I, I'm not sure. You of little faith. You who are having a hard time believing. Trust me. Live. Live your life and see that he will see to it that he will make a way. So friends, live. This is how we live with an abundance mindset. Live. Secondly, don't worry. Again, three times Jesus uses these words, don't worry. Verse 25, do not worry about your life. 
Verse 27 in the middle, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And, and then he ends this pericope, this section of Scripture this way, therefore don't worry about tomorrow. Worry, worry, worry. Some of us think that this is our spiritual gift. And some of us are really good at it. Some of us worry enough that the rest of us don't have to. And it makes some sense, right? I mean, because, I mean it's just, it's, it's a natural thing. If, if the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, I, if I do this, then maybe that won't happen. And I'm not sure that it actually works like that. We think about this in terms of worrying. And at the beginning of this section, I wonder about that. The thing I wonder about with our worrying is, what is the impact of all of this worrying on your life? What is the impact of worry? Do you live with an abundance mindset when you worry? Or are you stuck and trapped in the scarcity mindset? When we are overwhelmed and overcome by worry, we fixate on the things we don't have. We fixate on the things we don't have, we fixate on the things we lack, and we can't just even see the reality that we have more than we need, and, and we give way to anxiety and to the unease, the dis-ease of not-enoughness. So live, don't worry, and know your value. Are you, not, are you not worth much more than they? I mean, if God helps the fields of, the lilies of the field to grow, are you not much more valuable than they? Know your worth. But it's in that order, right? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, look at the, look at the things. Look, see how the flowers of the field grow. Look at the birds of the air. Look at those things, and then you will, um, you will flourish. You will know your value. Because God's the one. God's the MVP here. It's not you. It's not me. It's, it's the Lord. So we just spent the, the last six weeks trying to um, take you all the way back to the garden, to, to where there was perfection, where everything was exactly the way it was, where we could walk in the garden in the cool of the day with the Lord and understand that it was very good. It was very good. God's thoughts for you, the psalmist says, outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. And even though our thoughts were only evil continually, Genesis 6 says, God did not eradicate us. He did not remove us from this earth. And so we have a purpose. So live, don't worry. Know your value. And this is how. So we can hear those things, and here's where God is really good. Seek first, not see, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things 
will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. See, seek the things that Jesus would do. Don't seek the things that naturally come to you. Seek the things that Jesus would do. Read the scriptures, get a picture of how Jesus lived his life, and then when we seek his kingdom first, we begin to think about ways that bring heaven to earth. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer, but we want heaven to come to earth. And that happens when we start to seek first his kingdom, look to Jesus' life and the way in which he engages in the world. I've heard it said about people who go on short-term mission trips, they'll, they'll often use this language and they'll say, oh, I thought I was going to bless people. And what happened is that I was the one who was blessed. Has anybody ever experienced this? We go on trips and, and we think that we go to do something and, and something actually happens in us. That's because our eyes are not on ourselves for a minute, and they're out there. They're they're looking to somebody else, to something else. I remember this distinctly. I was on a trip in Haiti one time, and, and I was walking around in the jungle, and there are these little kids walking with me, and I'm learning Haitian Creole on the fly, and it's sticking. Don't test me later. But at the time, it was sticking, and, and, and I, I thought to myself, I don't think I've ever felt more alive than I feel right now. Because something powerful was happening. The Lord was moving, and I was engaging in this, and I started to ask myself some questions. What is this about? Why is this happening? And, and I got really clear. I started to journal this out, and I was like, wow, why, God? Why would you allow me to see this and me to experience this? What is it that you want to do with me in this place and with these people? And then I got clear. It's like, God really loves me. He delights in me. He helped me to understand my value. I wasn't thinking about all of the things that I wasn't getting done at home. I could live in the moment. I didn't have to worry I knew deep in my being my value. And when we seek his righteousness, it's, it's something else because when we seek God's righteousness, it's, it's the, the, the very definition of the word is that we would be acceptable to God. If we're doing the things that we do and, and we're not seeking his righteousness, well, the de- that's the devil's playground, yeah? That's, that's where all kinds of stuff can happen in the scarcity mindset rules the day. But if we are seeking things that make us acceptable to God, I bet we behave a little differently in the world. I know when, when my mind is laser focused on his righteousness, I certainly behave differently. And I imagine that you do too. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, the living, the not worrying, the knowing our value will be added to us, and so will a whole bunch of other things that you deeply desire, that you long for. 
Friends, God is good. And his desire is that we would have an abundance mindset. Live. Don't worry. Know your value. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and the Lord will see to it. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. I thank you for all of the ways in which your goodness and your enoughness comes out in this scripture today. You tell us what to do. You tell us to live. You tell us not to worry. And you tell us to know our value. And then, God, you show us how to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness would it be so? Would, would you give us the capacity, the desire, the, the burning in our hearts to seek you first? To seek your kingdom first? To be acceptable to you first? And, and, and would we do that if we're laying in a hospital or in an assisted living facility, or if, if we were, or if we're sitting right here. God, would you enable us to seek your kingdom first, and your righteousness first, so that we would live, that we might worry just a little bit less, and that we would know deep in our being just how valuable we are to you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship on Sundays at 930.